Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Once again, thanks for being part of local church this morning. Uh, we're in a season of life. I, I feel like this kind of comes and goes, or at least the feeling of it kind of comes and goes at times, where it feels very easy to be and stay disconnected. And, and what I mean by that is it is a whole lot easier to just to like take a step back and do your own thing. It is a lot more difficult because it takes a lot of intentionality to like step in let people in your life, you be involved in other people's lives. So I get, and I just feel like we're in a season where that's kind of a constant tension of being and staying disconnected. So as your pastor, I want to do everything I can to help you stay connected. And I think one of the best ways to do that is simply, yet significantly, through prayer. So let me talk to my in-the-room people and then online people. I haven't forgotten. I got something for you too. So here in the room, if you'll take a look either uh, at the seat right in front of you and the seat backs, or if you're on like the front row, you'll find that you're probably sitting on it. But we just have a simple card that asks one question. How can we pray for you? How can I be praying for you? How can our prayer team be praying for you? You do not have to put your name on it. If you want me to follow up with you and talk with you, then it would be helpful if I had your name and an email or a phone number. But by no means do you have to. I just want to know how I can be praying for you and how our team can be praying for you. So what's God doing in your life? What are you learning? What are you growing? What are you struggling with? What are you excited about? What are you worried about? As a church family, we should be praying for one another. So um, here in the room, if you want to grab one of these cards, I would love to be able to pray for you specifically intentionally and by name, if you'll let me, this week specifically. So if you will, write down, hey, here's what's going on, here's what you can be praying for, and you just drop it in the white boxes that are on your way out next to either of the doors. I'll get those. Those stay with me and our prayer team, and uh, we'll be able to pray for you this week. Those of you online, you don't have one of these cards, so I've got something for you as well. You either write this down or take a screenshot of it, but I would challenge every single one of you watching online to do one of two things so that we can stay connected and I can be praying for you. Either call me, text me, or email me, and I'm going to put it all up on the screen for you so you've got my email and my phone number. I don't know if that seems very smart necessarily. Maybe don't call and text during service because that'll, maybe I should put my phone on silent. Anyway, Email me, text me, call me. Would love to know how I can pray for you. Many of you watching online, I haven't seen you face-to-face -face in a long time. That's totally okay. No rush to get back here whatsoever, but I'd love to still stay connected with you. So shoot me a text this week. Shoot me an email this week. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know how I can pray for you so that we can still stay connected because we can be connected whether we are in the same room or not, right? It just takes intentionality. Even you in the room, it takes intentionality. It's very easy to just walk in and walk out. It's easy to log in and log off. So let's make sure that we are a church that prays for one another, that at least you would give me the opportunity to pray for you specifically this week. So I look forward to hearing from you online, a text or an email here in the room. Look forward to reading some of your prayer cards on how I can specifically be praying for you this week. Well, we are wrapping up our series. This whole month, we've been talking about hope. We've talked about what hope is and what happens when we have hope, how we act because of hope, what comes out of our hope. We've talked through all those things this month specifically. Today, we're going to look at a different side of hope. More so, how do we make sure that that grip we have on hope, the hold we have on hope, how do we make sure that it doesn't just kind of go through our fingers? Because the hope that we have is a hope in Jesus. We said early on that hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is not, I'm just hoping this works out or I'm hoping my plans work out. I'm hoping I get this. I'm hoping that. It's not wishful thinking. Hope, biblical hope, the definition of hope in God's word is a confident expectation, specifically in Jesus. And the promise that we have from him, what's our promise? Well, the gift of eternal life, that we will spend eternity with 
him. That's our hope. Confident expectation in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And we start, as a believer, we start with a pretty tight grip on that hope. But what happens is when we go through stuff in life, that grip seems to get a little looser and looser, and that hope feels like it just kind of falls through our hands. How do we have a tight grip on the hope that we have in Jesus? How does our hope get stronger and stronger, and how does it grow deeper and deeper within us? Romans chapter 15 tells us this about our hope, and this would be my prayer for you as we finish up this series. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Why? So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just that you would have hope, not that you would just recognize the hope that has been given to us by Jesus. No, that you would overflow with hope. No matter what we go through, we still overflow with hope. No matter the, the, the issues we face, no matter the struggles we go through, the suffering we walk through, that hope becomes stronger and stronger. And our grip on that hope gets tighter and tighter. Let's pray as we begin to wrestle with how we do that. Jesus, thank you so much for the hope that you give us, the hope that only comes from you, the hope of eternal life. So thank you for giving us that hope and that promise. Speak to us today. Speak to us individually in our hearts on how we can revolve our lives around you and how we can hold on to hope just a little bit tighter. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're towards the end of January. We only have one week left to January, which means most of our New Year's resolutions have been forgotten about <laughs> at this point, right? We start super strong at the beginning of January, have these great ideas on how we're going to and what we're going to. Most, statistically speaking, most people's New Year's resolutions revolve around one topic. Any guesses? Health. Has something to do with health. It's, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to start new healthy habits. I'm going to stop the unhealthy habits. Most New Year's resolutions revolve around the idea of health. So statistically speaking, if you are one of those people that started out strong with the New Year's resolution, had something to do with health, most likely you started somewhat strong. Hypothetically speaking, if that's you, you probably started working out. You went to a gym, you did something, and, and you're like your home gym, you started walking after meals, you started running once a week. You did something that you hadn't done in a long time, probably, and you started January 2nd, you were the first one at the gym, you started your New Year's resolution right. And if that's you, hypothetically speaking, you realize something very quickly. Working out is painful, <laughs> You, you started to use muscles you have not used in such a long time. You finished that first workout and you were exhausted. And you're like, why do people do this? You're like, oh yeah, people don't do this, which is why it's a New Year's resolution. So you finish that first day exhausted. You wake up on the second day and you can barely get out of bed. You are sore. You have pain. Your muscles ache. There are muscles aching you did not know you had like, this is not the way this was supposed to go. So if that was you, you started January 2nd strong by doing something healthy, say working out. After that first workout, you realized how painful it would be, which is why most people don't continue. That's what causes us to stop, doesn't it? It hurts, so I'm not gonna do it again. That was painful, so I don't want to experience that again. My muscles are telling me I shouldn't been that way. <laughs> so I stopped. Now, if you are the anomaly that kept going, most of us stop at that point. When it's painful, we stop. 
But if you're somebody that says, you know what? I'm gonna push through the pain. If that was you, hypothetically speaking, and you experienced that first workout, you woke up the second day full of pain, yet you still decided to go and work out, you also would have realized and learned something. That if you push through the pain over time, it actually becomes a little bit easier, doesn't it? You push through the pain and all of a sudden, after a few days, after a few weeks, after a few months, all of a sudden, those muscles that used to hurt when you moved that way and worked that way, they don't hurt like they used to. Your muscles have gotten used to it. They've adapted. They've actually grown stronger. But you have to push through the pain to experience that kind of result. See, our lives are no different. We all experience pain on a variety of levels. We all experience problems and issues and struggles and sufferings and ultimately pain. But there is a process and actually a cycle of endurance that gets us to a place where something grows in us, something develops in us, where we get a little bit stronger for the next problem, where what almost knocked us out the first time doesn't phase us as much the second and the third time around. There's a cycle of endurance where when you push through the pain, something happens in you, something grows and develops in you. And as we're gonna see through scripture, that hope that we've been given actually gets stronger and stronger. The eternal hope, the hope that we've been given because of Jesus, the hope that's only found in Jesus, our eternal hope is strengthened when we push through the pain, when we endure earthly trials and earthly problems and the testings and, like I said, the sufferings, ultimately those problems and those troubles. Our eternal hope is strengthened only when we go through, experience, and endure those earthly troubles. Romans 5 actually speaks to this. Paul's writing to the early church of Rome, and he speaks to this cycle of, of endurance, trying to encourage the early Christians, and still an encouragement for us today, to keep going because of what is going to be developed, what is going to be grown, what is going to be produced in you because of it. Let's look at that, and we're going to kind of break it down together. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace, this grace in which we now stand. Notice this part. We're going to talk about it. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, those first two verses are, are a little bit wordy, so let me break it down for you, help you understand. All Paul is saying is the hope that you've been given has been just that. It has been given to you. The hope that we have, remember, it's not wishful thinking. The hope that we have is in Jesus and in the promise we have from him of eternal life. There's nothing we do to earn that. There's nothing we can do to deserve that. You don't have to work hard enough so that you can finally get it. No, he gives it to you. He says, follow me. Give me your life and I'm gonna give you the hope of eternal life. That last part I said pay attention to, he says, we boast in the glory of God. We boast in him. That's Paul's way of saying, you can't boast in you on this. Nobody can say, oh, I've got the hope. I've got hope of Jesus in me because look what I did. Now, that would be boasting in ourselves and now I got hope. No, he's very clear. He says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So it's only by him and through him that we even have this hope. Not if that makes sense. That's important. We're not trying to earn hope. We cannot do anything to deserve hope. Jesus says, I have hope I want to give you. Only by his grace and his love do we have that hope. So that's how Paul sets it up. 
So there's nothing we can do to earn or deserve the hope that we've been given. But there is something within our control that helps us have a tighter grip on that hope, that helps us grow that hope, maybe even develop that hope into something that's stronger than when we first received it. So that's what Paul speaks to next. Verse 3. Not only so, in other words, that's the hope that you've been given, that's only because of Jesus. But here's what's in your own hands, verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And here it is in character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. In other words, it does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And just to be clear, the ungodly, that's me and you. That's us. We needed him to do exactly what he did on the cross for us so that we could receive that hope. But there is a way to have a tighter grip on that hope. Like I said earlier, when we go through things, when we go through sufferings and trials and troubles and difficulties, the hope that felt really firm and and secure at one point starts to feel like it's just water through our fingers. So Paul's helping us understand, first, we've been given hope, but second, here's how you can strengthen and develop and grow that hope into something even stronger than when you first started. Did you guys all get that little disc when you came in? That was not a large communion wafer. <laughs> I know we're doing communion today, so I know it could feel a little confusing. You're getting communion in this like, large disc, so if you've got teeth marks on it, we're gonna know who you are probably. So no, that's for you to take notes. I'm gonna show you something, because what we're seeing with what Paul shows us and kind of outlines in this, this first part of Romans chapter five is hope is not just a, you wake up and you have strong hope. Yes, we are given hope, but it's so easy to have a loose grip on that hope. And so that's where I'm talking about what we said earlier, that cycle of endurance. Because once you receive hope, guess what you will face the very next day? More problems. Just because you receive hope doesn't mean your problems go away. No, that hope helps you endure those problems. It helps you to get through it. The hope that we've received helps us get through it. So here's what I would encourage you to write down. I couldn't fit all of this on the little one, so I got a bigger one. So, (laughs) sorry. For you, for the smaller ones, I would suggest some people last service said, I got it all to fit on there. So if you've got better handwriting than me, have at it. I would suggest maybe the first letter of each word. Let me talk through the cycle of endurance, and then we're gonna walk it through based on what Paul said in Romans 5. So the first part of that is problems. Remember what Paul said? He said, we glory in our sufferings. We're going to use the word problems here to talk through it, which that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? We glory in our sufferings. We're going to talk about it. Problems, and then do you remember what happened next? The suffering, it produces something. It produces what we read said, perseverance. Endurance is another word for that, which is what we'll use. So you have problems that produce endurance. Endurance then produces character. And as we've been talking about all month, just like scripture said, in character, Hope. So maybe you'll write P-E-C-H, and then, of course, what we read in verse 6, that all of this is because of Jesus. Everything revolves around Jesus. Our hope is only in Jesus. Our eyes stay on Jesus. So if you're writing this on your little disc, P-E-C-H, and then a cross in the middle. Or for you overachievers, you can actually write the words out on that tiny little disc if you want. Let's talk through them. Because again, it is a cycle. It's not just you get hope and you're done. No, you've got to figure out how you can keep having a strong hope in the midst of difficulty. So let's start at the first part. 
Paul said, we are to glory in our sufferings. Like I said, we're going to use the word problems. Problems, what are we to do? Hold your head up. Hold your head up. If we were to look at that word glory, the original language, that word glory literally means head held high. Sufferings literally means pressure. So if you were to read that sentence that Paul wrote, literally it would say, hold your head high when you're under pressure. That's what he's saying. So when we face problems, pressures, stresses, issues, difficulties, you fill in the blank. When you're facing them, we are to not be crushed by it, but we are to hold our head up as we walk through the problems that we face. About a week ago, a little over a week ago during the long Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, uh, my wife and I, Becky and I, we said, let's do something different with our family. Something we haven't really done before. We do movies and we do other things. So like, let's something we haven't done as a family before. Talked with the kids. We came up with a great idea. Well, we thought it was a great idea. It was, it turned out fine. We were a little nervous. They wanted to go ice skating. Well, like, we've never taken our family ice skating before. If you don't know, I have three kids all under the age of eight. And I really did not want to spend time in the ER. So I'm just trying to figure out how three kids on an ice skating rink would actually be a good family adventure. Even so, we decided to go. And as I'm, I'm kind of getting my kids prepped, they're getting their skates on, I said this phrase over and over because I, I wanted them to have realistic expectations. I kept saying to Connor, Cole, and Collins, and my wife, you will fall. <laughs> I said, you're going to fall. You're going to see people skate well, I grew up skating, and so it's like, you're not going to look like that immediately. You are going to fall. And I kept saying, but that's okay. It's okay to fall. You're going to fall. Everybody falls. Everybody learns from those falls. So as soon as we got out of the ice, guess what they all did? They all fell. <laughs> and I tried so hard because we had a blast. We, we skated for two hours, and we had an absolute blast. I was trying to get like pictures of them actually skating, this is the best picture I could possibly get while we were trying to get everybody skating. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of standing up going on. It was mostly on the ground. But here's what I loved about it, is that smile that went with it. Because he knew he was going to fall. It's part of it. It's part of learning to skate. Part of it is learning to fall. But there's another part of that, isn't there? What is it? Getting back up. To not fall once and say, that's it, this is not for me. I can't handle this, I can't do this. No, it's you fall, you're gonna go through problems, but you get back up, you keep going, you keep your head up. And out of that, guess what happened? They got better. We skated for two hours. They were exhausted by the end of it, but they skated for two hours. And if you were to have watched them, the first 10 minutes of them skating, compared it to the last 10 minutes of them skating, with about two hours of falling in between, night and day difference because they got better. They started to learn. It, it was a learned skill. And if they had stopped when they fell, they would never have grown and gotten better. So our problems, we glory in our sufferings. In other words, we keep our head up every time we're facing a problem because it produces something. That's what Paul said, right? For your suffering produces, do you remember the next part? Perseverance or endurance. Yes, something is produced, something is developed. We'll use the word endurance. Endurance meaning this, hang on tight. Just hang on tight. Oftentimes we view the word endurance or perseverance as I've gotta be strong enough to get through. 
We think if we don't have endurance, it has something to do with our strength. Quite literally, it's the opposite of that. Endurance and perseverance has more to do with patience than it does strength. In fact, the word perseverance literally means patiently suffering. So you just suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer as patiently as you possibly can, knowing that you're going to get through it. That's where endurance comes into play. I will patiently suffer. I will patiently go through these problems. That is endurance. So if you start to say, and we've all said these phrases before, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can hold on much longer. I'm not strong enough. I don't have it in me. When you start to say those things to yourself, you're focusing on your lack of strength. No, we're, we're not strong enough. But can you have the patience to hold on tight and to keep going? If you watch TV, you see a lot of car commercials, right? And, and each car commercial shows something specific about the car they're trying to sell. So if it's a commercial about a truck, that truck shows its strength. They're loading on like timber and cinder blocks, moving houses. Like trucks are known for being strong and able to tow and haul a lot. If you see a commercial about a Jeep, they're probably going up some cliff and mountain that no one really does that as far as I'm concerned, but some people apparently do. And so you, you see this Jeep doing something that's known for going off-roading. And then you'll see a commercial for like a Prius. And a Prius is not hauling things. A Prius is not, is not going off-road. This is no offense to anybody that has a Prius. You didn't buy the Prius to haul things. You bought a Prius because it has good gas mileage, right? It's known for, a gas, for its gas mileage. A friend of mine sent me this picture. He was on 400. He was not driving, so don't judge him for this picture. He was in the passenger seat. He took this picture, and it cracked me up. Do you know what that is? That is a Prius. If you look close, there's a, tow, there's a hitch attached to it. It's a Prius towing another Prius. On 400, a Prius towing another Prius. And I wish I knew the story of what happened that cost one Prius to have to tow another Prius behind it. And you look at that and you can't help but laugh. Now, if you saw a truck towing something else, you'd be like, oh, that happens all the time. You don't expect to see a Prius towing another Prius because it's not known for that. It's like the little engine that could, this little Prius that could. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can make it. Even though a Prius is not known for towing and hauling another Prius, sometimes you just have to do what you have to do, don't you? Sometimes you just have to hold on tight. And no, you weren't built for it. And no, you weren't made for it. And no, you're not known for it. But you just have to endure. You have to persevere. And I know you don't think you have the strength for it, which is why we put our eyes on Jesus. And we patiently suffer. We endure. Hebrews gives us a great perspective of perseverance. Let me read this for you. I'll put it on the screen. You don't have to turn there. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, go to chapter 11 if you want to know what context he's talking about. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In other words, I'm not going to focus on anything else. And let us run with, say the word with me, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, let me explain something real fast. This is fascinating to me. So we throw off everything that hinders us, any distractions around us, the sin that tangles and trips us, up, trips us up. And we run the race marked out for us one more time with what? Perseverance. Now here's what's interesting. We don't usually get to choose the race marked out for us. 
That's outside of our control. The life that you've been handed, the cards you've been dealt, the race marked out for you is usually outside of your control. But what is in your control is how you run the race. And you can choose to run the race with perseverance or not. You can choose to get up when you've fallen or not. You can choose to, I just gotta do what I gotta do sometimes to keep going. He goes on, says, for the joy set before him, talking about Jesus, endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right, the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, when you feel like you can't keep going, put your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith because he endured what we should have had to. He took it for us. So we're inspired by his endurance and his perseverance so that we don't become weary and we don't lose heart. We don't give up. So we have a problem that we face and we continue to get up, right? It produces perseverance, endurance. Sometimes we just have to do what we've got to do and it produces what? What's the next one? Produces character. Now, when I say character, let's make sure we're clear. Character is not like what you were born with. We're not talking about hair color, eye color, height, weight. We're not talking about those things. It's not genetics. Character is who you're becoming. Character is what you're developing inside of you, the person inside of you. That is character, who I become. And so you you recognize you have to go through things for something to be developed. It's the difference between a five-year-old and a 55-year-old, right? The five-year-old Well, hasn't experienced really much yet. The 55-year-old has experienced a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows and difficulties and problems. So therefore, there's more character that has been produced. You have to go through things. You cannot have a character that is growing and developing unless you go through stuff. Let me explain it this way for you. I've got a carton of eggs and out of this carton of eggs, there is, there is one egg, this one right here, unless somebody changed it on me. This one egg here I know is different. It doesn't look different. Let's say if I were to like pick this one up. They look the exact same. But I know that this one is very different on the inside than this one. You couldn't tell that by just looking at it. You could only tell that by knowing what this egg had to go through. This egg hasn't gone through anything. So it's very fragile. If I were to drop it, it would create quite the mess, which is why we're going to put it back and not touch it anymore. (laughs) But this egg has been through some things, and so I'm not worried about it. Like if I were to drop this one, no big deal. I don't feel like I need to be as cautious with this one. It's not as fragile. Because this one is what? What do you think this one is? What would you call it? Yes, it's a hard-boiled egg. And I know what it's been through. And I know what the result has been. So I took an egg that has gone through nothing, a raw egg, and I put it in a pot of water on the stove, and then I turned heat way up, all the way to high underneath that pot of water. Eventually, that water started to boil, and when it started to boil, this little egg was in that boiling water for a long time. I wanted to make sure, like I've seen a lot of sermon illustrations go bad, so I wanted to make sure. So man, this thing boiled for over 20 minutes (laughs) just to make sure. I got nice new floors. We're not going to mess them up. (laughs) So I know what it went through and it boiled and it boiled and it boiled. So then finally the timer went off and I'm like, okay, it's good. It's, it's different. This egg experienced something none of the other eggs experienced. And it has developed on the inside something that no other egg in that carton experienced. We are the exact same way. When we go through problems, 
it produces perseverance and endurance. And that endurance produces something in you. It changes you on the inside. Something in you, God is developing and growing and producing in you. Now we need to lean in a little bit more, so don't miss this next part. Because I have seen people go through problems, produce endurance, and I've seen something produced in the character that is not maybe a character trait that we would actually desire. See, I've seen people go through problems and difficulties, and what's produced in them is bitterness. I've seen people go through problems and all that's produced in them is frustration. I've watched people go through grief and all that's produced in them is anger. I've seen people go through hurts and all that's produced in them is a complete lack of trust for anyone and everyone for the rest of their life. I've seen people go through problems and yes, something is produced, but it's not what we would desire and it's not the things of God and it's not who Jesus would desire us to be. So how do we make sure that when we go through problems and we endure and we have our character developed, how do we make sure it's the right things? Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23 gives us what we call the fruit of the spirit. And if you have Jesus in your life, you have the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is working in you to produce these things. I want you to read these with me. Ready? Love, joy, peace, patience. It says forebodings. Patience is the easier word there. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Problems produce endurance, which produce those traits, those characteristics, those fruit of the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is in you working. So I would lean in just a little bit further and encourage you to think through that list. What's not being produced? What's being produced instead of the fruit of the Spirit? Instead of joy, is there frustration? Instead of peace, is there conflict? Instead of patience, is there agitation? Instead of gentleness, is there harshness? Instead of self-control, is there no control? Instead of kindness, is there envy? What is being produced in you? When the Holy Spirit is working, the problems produce endurance. The endurance produces character. And the character, what's the last one? What we've been talking about all month produces what? Hope. A stronger hope. A hope that now we have a tighter grip on. A hope that is stronger for the next problem because remember, it's a cycle. And we're gonna go through it again because once you go through that, guess what you're gonna deal with the next day? We've said it before. Another problem, another difficulty. But this time around, your grip on hope is a little bit tighter. The hope that you've been holding on to is a little bit stronger. The problem that knocked you on your face before maybe doesn't knock you down quite as much this time. Just like my kids when they were ice skating. The first 10 minutes, they were on the ground a lot. They were on the ice a lot. The last 10 minutes, a lot, but not as much. There is a little bit of a catch here, and it's what we read at the very beginning. Romans chapter 15, let me read it again, but let me point out one extra part. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, here it is, as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to trust in him though. See, our hope only grows stronger when we trust in him more. Our hope only goes deeper when we depend on him more. Our hope in him will only continue to grow. And our grip on that hope will only become tighter 
when our trust and dependence and reliance and confidence in him grows. Remember what hope is? Confident expectation in Jesus and the promise he's given us. So I desire for you, oh, I desire this with all my heart, that your hope would be exactly what Paul wrote, that your hope would overflow, that you're not losing hope, you're not lacking hope, you're not missing hope, but you have hope and you have a tight grip on it because of the problems you've gone through, the endurance that you've developed, the character that has been grown in you, and the hope that has become stronger and stronger and deeper and richer. And your confidence in Jesus has continued to grow because of you trusting in him. Final question for you. What do you need to do to make Jesus the center of your life? Today, like, let's make it not like hypothetically, well, maybe, maybe don't make this another New Year's resolution, please. We know how those go. Today, starting today, how do you need to, how can you, what do you need to do to make Jesus the center of your life? If we looked at our cycle of endurance one last time, none of this works if you don't have Jesus as the very center. Every problem you face, you get back up because Jesus is there with you, pulling you back up. Every time my kid fell, guess who had to help him up? This guy. <laughs> Jesus is the same for you. He'll pull you up every time. Endurance, just like we read out of Hebrews, the only way that we can run the race marked out for us with perseverance is what Hebrews told us, to fix our eyes on Jesus. So it goes back to the cross. The character that's developed in us, we are all being developed. Something is being produced in us. The question is, is, is it the things of God or not? Is it we're becoming more like Jesus or not? So you gotta put your eyes back on Jesus. And hope? Well, that's what we read in verse six. The hope that we have in Jesus will not put us to shame, Paul said. In other words, it will not disappoint us. I promise you, put your hope in anything and anyone else and it'll disappoint you at some point. Put your hope in Jesus and he will never disappoint because he is the resurrection and the life. He died for our sins. He conquered sin and death and he rose to life again. I don't know where else to put my confidence in the one who is the resurrection and the life. Trust in him and may your life be centered around him starting today. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for what you have already done for us. Thank you that we do not have to try to earn this hope or prove ourselves to you to get this hope. No, you freely give this hope and this promise of eternal life to anyone who believes in you. Oh, I pray that we would just make that claim right here in the room and at home, wherever you're at, in the depths of your heart, would you confide in your savior that you believe in him. Jesus, we declare that we believe in you, that you are our Lord, you are our king, you are our savior. We believe that you died for our sins by going to the cross. We believe that you were buried for three days and we believe that you rose again. We believe that the Holy Spirit lives in us and produces the fruit of the spirit in us. We believe that you are with us every moment of every day. We believe that you are leading us and guiding us. But most of all, and most importantly, we believe in the promise of eternal life that you've given us. And that's where we place our hope. Help us to live our lives with you at the center of every part of it. In Jesus' name, amen.